What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. This episode is sponsored by Visual Media. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then Visual Media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. What's going on, everyone? We are back with another episode of Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, and our special guest today is Lanita Holston. Lanita, thank you so much for coming on, saying yes. You could have said no, but you didn't. I appreciate you for that. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, man, I hate that question. <laughs> Listen, I feel like every entrepreneur, that question is like, oh, man, I got to go through the whole thing. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it real brief. Uh, my name is Lenita Holston. I am really passionate about helping our young men and women get clear about who they are, what they want, and how they will use their life of purpose. And um, that inclusive of them being able to do or achieve or pursue their dream career. So I essentially coach high school students to devise a post-graduation productivity plan so that they can transition into their dream careers with ease. And, you know, I'm based in uh, Maryland, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, I am a uh, proud Towson University alumnae. Uh, I study communications. I am single with no children. I'm real single, like extra single. I'm cracking and- up. <laughs> <laughs> And I just got like this huge heart to love and serve others. And um, I feel very, this is probably the most, this year has been probably the most healthiest year I've had in the last 33 years. Really? So you're 33 too, huh? Yep. Me too. When's your birthday? It just passed September 28th. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Happy belated birthday. birthday. My birthday is June 21st. Okay, nice. You a Gemini in the Uh house? Okay. A little something, something. But happy belated birthday. Thank you. You said this year is the healthiest. Um, Why? What what have you done differently? Well, at the top of the year, I declared that this would be a personal year. I think it's really easy for us to hide behind our professional accolades and the things that we're doing that the world sees and have an underdeveloped self. And this year I said, I didn't want to be that person. I never wanted to be that person, but I mean, putting some intention around not being that person. Mm. So I hired a wellness coach and I worked with her for three months and she had me doing stuff. I didn't even realize consciously I was not doing, including self advocating for my needs, saying no to things that I did not want to do, standing up to my own traumas related to my parents. I mean, I felt like, I felt like I was a new woman after that and it felt good. And and the thing about coaching and therapy is that what makes it effective is that you're continually practicing what you learn. So not just in that three months, but continually. And I did that this year. So I honored my boundaries. I said, no, I listened to my body and I feel good. I love that for you. 
I love that for you. You definitely, I think everyone deserves to get in touch with who they are at their core, at their root. And that journey is is scary sometimes, Um, Mm -hmm. especially when you have to go back into, um, Mm. you have to, and you have to revisit some situations, um, a past that you maybe worked really hard to like block or get away from. Yep. But the only way through that is to actually go back and, and learn from that and, and all that good stuff. So doing that hard work, that deep work, that heart's work is what I like to call it. Um, it's, it's, yep. it's hard. How did you, how did you navigate through that? Like what I know, I know it's difficult. What, t- what, what, like, like what, um, like, did you have any tricks, any, um, like strategies, anything that helped you navigate that? Well, I'll say the reason why it was important for me to navigate it, and I don't have no tricks outside of just doing the work, but it, it, the issues that I experienced in my childhood, they continually show up in my romantic relationships in ways that are unhealthy that I cause. Mm-hmm. And so if I desire marriage, which I do, I desire to have a family, I desire to be a parent one day, then when am I going to take ownership of some of those things? Mm-hmm. So someone like the issues with my dad, him being somewhat like, emotionally absent but financially present very present but what that left me feeling like and how i attract men who are similar to him and then dealing with that so i have a what i learned that i display signs of an insecure attachment style i don't know if you're familiar with attachment styles but it's like going in a circle i feel like i'm going crazy i don't know at some point you I said to myself, I recognize that I am self-sabotaging my own happiness. Mm. So what am I going to do about that? Like, it's time to put the work in. Stop hiding behind. Because when I'm doing my work, when I'm being recognized, when I'm in front of all those, I don't have to do no self-work. Say what? (laughs) And so it's easy to just like, you know, I ain't working on that because everything else is winning. I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That self-accountability, you know, Everyone really, really enjoys holding up the mirror for yeah. other people. No one enjoys standing in front of that mirror. Um, that takes a lot of courage, a lot of vulnerability. And just uh, you get to a point where there's, you have to do something. Like, I need to take ownership of, of what I can do in this situation. And really, really just dig deep and own, you know, own it. Um, that's hard. It's sometimes that's hard to do. Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) if nobody want to see themselves in the mirror, who wants Mm -mm. to see themselves in the mirror? No, especially like first thing in the morning, you wake up, maybe you ain't brush your teeth yet. Like (laughs) they're looking a mess, you know, like no one wants to, to acknowledge that they aren't perfect. Yeah. And um, doing the work to acknowledge your your imperfections is yep. is monumental and it's life changing, obviously, right? Yep. Love it, love it. Okay. Now you said that you you have a huge heart, and you your 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 mission is to help high school students af- like navigate life after graduation. Yep. Where did that start? Yeah, I um, 
I would likely say I attribute it to it's somewhat of my story. When I was in high school, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted mm -hmm. to be a journalist. And I was um, inspired by one of my teachers, well, two of them who were both journalists. Like they were literally, they were journalists who became teachers. And um, so I had a few internships my senior year of high school and I realized that I didn't like it. Um, but I studied communication. So I studied it very broadly instead of niching down to journalism. I studied marketing and advertising. It's in the same wheelhouse, but the concentration is different. Uh -huh. And when I graduated, I did transition into a role in communications. I was able to negotiate my first salary out of undergrad at 22 in, this, in the recession, funny. by the way. Ooh. And I remember what it was like one to be so adamant about what I wanted and what that looked like. I was excited. I wanted to try it. I remember what it was like to not be clear and people keep asking you like, what are you studying? Oh, how you gonna get a job? You sure that's gonna make money? Mm -hmm. And then I remember what it was like to negotiate that salary and get what I asked for so young. And I just became like, I'm infatuated with not everybody need to be empowered. Every student before they decide on a major, let's just get clear about what it is that you want and who you are. So that while you're on your college campus or whatever your post-secondary -sec option is, because sometimes it's not college, sometimes it's trade school, sometimes it's starting a business, whatever that is, let's put a plan together so that you can begin to do what you love and be paid well for it. So it was my story, um, I would say, and I got a chance to experience every part of not knowing, then knowing, then getting, not getting, you know? And so, yeah, it's really personal to me. I love that. That was, I was, that was going to be my next question. Like, so does it have anything to do with like you? And it absolutely does. Yeah. That makes, that makes what you do more special. Um, because you, what you're doing is, it's right. It's straight from the heart, you know, yep. um, wanting other high schoolers and other people to experience what you what you experienced and knowing that a lot of people that look like us don't get that opportunity yeah um so so navigating that as well how do you navigate that um you know just finding those the youth are uh, high schoolers that don't have this opportunity that really you know college or anything outside of high school it's not really talked about you know right. so can you tell us a little bit about how you help the those type of students navigate where they want to go yeah I'm so glad you mentioned that because there's a distinction between the two what I hear you asking me is how do you help the communities of students who parents may not have um, not even just the money, but the mental, like the understanding that that's even important because mm -hmm. that's almost like a luxury kind of the mindset is that's a luxury to do what you love versus the student whose parents may say, while it's a luxury, I do want my child to be happy and I'm committed to investing in them, whatever that looks like. Those are two types of communities. Mm -hmm. And I would say the latter community are most of the clients that I work with privately. So their parents have the disposable income for me to work with their child independently one-on-one. -on -one. That's a very rare breed. And that's not the common student. Those students mm -hmm. are very ambitious. They're already very active. They have great grades. They're going to Ivy league to, I'm just extra basically. Mm -hmm. to them. 
So the other student that you're referring to and you're asking me about, those are students that I get the privilege to work with in community organizations and government entities where I'm bring, uh, where I'm kind of like bonding as a consultant. So there's a group of them. And I, I'm doing something similar with this with the Department of Human Services. They have a foster care branch. And those are kids ages 14 through 21, I believe. And they probably would have never met a person like me if a community group didn't see the value and were and had the, the money essentially to pay for my, our services as a team to come and do that support work. So that's how, um, that's how I'm able to do it. So this earlier this year, when I released uh, my latest book called The Pursuit of Black Excellence for Teens, I had a virtual book launch and one of my family members asked me that exact same question. How do you make sure that the parent, that the kids whose parents cannot afford your services that may not even be thinking about or may not even have the emotional bandwidth to think about a career, like they're just trying to survive, they're dealing with so much, what's your plan to reach them? Hey, 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 if you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience. And, you know, my response to that was really being intentional about partnering with like agencies that are already attempting to reach them. Mm. So that's the strategy. Um, And so this year, the focus was definitely on foster care um, agencies that work with that population. That's brilliant. Oh, thank you. That is brilliant. Because I was so, I was like, you know, is she in schools? Is she... So, so like the boys and girls club and, and stuff that's, oh my goodness. Yeah. The boys and girls club would be ideal. Um, but I have not infiltrated that circle yet. Mm. Um, in our area, it's not that I'm opposed to it. I just don't know people in those spaces, but it's definitely on the table. Um, some other organizations too, like girls mentoring groups or professional societies, like Greek organizations where they have their own like high school enrichment programs. Mm-hmm. Like those are areas too, as well as Jack and Jill. Um, so yeah, it does take a strategic partnership. Local libraries, the Baltimore Library System, was a partner or a former client of mine as well. So it will take people who like they basically they they want to do that work. They have a team of people, but they would bring in someone like our team to help like maybe add volume to what they're already doing. So not changing it, not introducing something new. You have something in place. Let's expand how you're supporting them. Mm. Yeah. Goodness gracious. You, you are a blessing and the work that you, that you're doing and oh my gosh that's I have no words it's very rare that I'm speechless um especially when I'm interviewing uh because just because I love to interview but your passion um is exuding through this through the camera um and the fact that you are doing the work that so many people miss these type of opportunities yeah. Um, and knowing now, knowing that this type of program, this type of network is out there will help so many other people who may be struggling with, you know, 
I want to send my child to um, school or, you know, my child wants to do trade school, but I don't, Mm. do you, do you stay in a Maryland area? Do you go other places? Yeah, we're national. So our curriculum was created to be virtual before the pandemic hit, before Zoom was a thing. It was designed to be that way. And so we were ready to go in the pandemic, actually. That's when we first started. So, yes, it does. And actually, most of our clients are not in Maryland, surprisingly. They are New Jersey, Texas, California. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is brilliant. Okay, so the the pandemic didn't really affect you much then in that aspect. Now, I'm sure it, it affected you in other ways. But in that that aspect, you didn't have to uh, go back to the drawing board and figure out how you were going to continue your passion, um, but with a, a, a different approach. You already had that. Y'all were already prepared. God had already prepared me. <laughs> he really did align, not even just the program, but the financial means to invest in the support, to create the curriculum and the infrastructure so that it could be ready. That was God's timing. I won't even take credit for that. So the pandemic is where we saw an influx in business. So much so that when people start getting back outside, I had to find a new way. Like how are we supposed to sell this service? (laughs) So don't nobody want to be virtual no more. And so we saw a decline in sales. Um, And so just navigating what that looks like now that we are out of the pandemic. And I'm learning that a lot of our clients, they still like to have that virtual component, but they want in person. So we've been adopting to a hybrid model. Um, but yeah, the the pandemic certainly was a great way uh, to ease on in. But sustainably, I have not seen that kind of like interest gotcha. for just virtual only be sustained. So gotcha. praise God that there's flexibility to do both. I love that. That is amazing. <sighs> I, this is this is just fantastic information. Um, the have you ever um, reached a point in your business where you you wanted to kind of like wash your hands? You just wanted to be done with it. Have you ever experienced that? And and if you have, how did you navigate through that? Yeah, I'm navigating through that right now. Like, literally. I just feel Mm -hmm. like this has been the lowest, this has been the least profitable year. It's been the slowest year. I'm usually traveling at minimum three times a month. Minimum. I might have traveled. We're in October. I might have traveled maybe 10 times this year. And that sounds like a lot, right? Like, okay. But in comparison to what we've been capable of doing, nowhere near. Mm -hmm. And having to think through recreate what we've done and reintroduce it to the marketplace and make assessments about is it valuable are we targeting the right client base and it's so it's exhausting mm. it's exhausting to continuously trying to think ahead and be innovative and um what we decided to do this year was to diversify from b to c solely to diversify meaning we're not eliminating that b2c meaning working directly with a parent group or community group we're adding in the opportunity to go b2b and that's where those um um the department of human services came in so going directly from a business instead of 
instead of going directly to a consumer, going straight to an organization, usually a government entity. But that has its own hiccups because the sales cycle is much longer. So mm -hmm. while it may be more lucrative and more sustainable, there are other areas that I have to think through, like cash flow, access to credit lines to sustain the time period before we, af after we sign the contract, deliver the services to the time they pay the invoice. That could be a year. So think about that. Like if I take on, if we take on a client and let's say it's a $100,000 contract, and they say you'll get you'll get either incremental funds or you'll get them when the work is complete. I'm still responsible for doing the work on my own cash flow. Mm -hmm. So that's a new set of challenge. So what I learned in business this year is that you can't really escape the work. Like people could give you the cheat code, they could tell you this is what you do to be successful. You still have to go through the process. So I think what I learned in that is yeah, you could quit. Like yeah, you could let it go. Everything you've been building, have peace, do some regular. Not even go get a job. You could just do something regular. Or you could continue to be innovative and give it a try. Give it a try. Like, either way, you're going to have to work. Mm -hmm. So, like, what kind of work you want to do? So, that's what I, at least, that's my trick that I've been telling myself. What kind of work do you want to do? What kind of work do you want to do? That's a excellent question. That is an excellent question. You know, do you want to continue doing what you love like doing like pursuing your passion or do you want to go a different route um do you want to help someone else with their passion like you know that that is a loaded question and i'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that you showing up right and and pouring your passion into helping high school students that you chose to continue to navigate to figure it out yep i did mm, mm. i love it i love it I I, that's what you show you're showing up you're showing up you know every day is isn't easy every week isn't easy every month isn't easy um but you you hang on to that anchor hang on to what is what brings you joy about it yep. And so what, what is that thing that brings you joy about hanging on to this? I think it's because at this point I've been doing not the exact work, but working with this population since 2013 mm. and having them, cause now they're of age, like this, that's almost 10 years. So they're grown. Some of them are grown and having them come back and say this is where I am, or this is what worked for me. Thank you. I was thinking about you, or this reminded me of you. I'm grateful that, like, thank you for what you did. I feel like I have a head start. It's those things that really light a flame in the inside. Because if you think about it, when I meet them, they're exceptionally young, typically like 16. I mean, how many, how many people have you reached back out to when you were 16 who instrumentally touched you like yeah. unless you've been taught that i was taught to do that my mm -hmm. mom used to tell me all the time call miss Le call her let her know what you're doing or see if you can find them on facebook but she was very intentional about me giving the flowers to the people who were instrumental in my journey mm -hmm. so that's a that's a normal practice for me that's not a normal practice for the average family 
So when people do do that, when they go out of their way at that age, not 30 when they have kids <laughs> or 40 when they're doing something similar, like when they're in their early 20s, when they busting down Tatiana, like going through that phase and they reach back out, like that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. Um, what... What would you say to anyone who was looking to connect with you to um, offer like volunteer or offer their, like, I don't know what kind of services you would um, partner with, but what mm -hmm. would you say to someone that wanted to get involved with what, what you are doing specifically? Yeah. Eventually I'm going to be looking for them. Like, I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> because um, one of the things about expanding from B to C to B to B is that the volume increases, and so the number of team, the number of hands that are necessary to fulfill uh, what the work that we would be contracted to do, it has to be greater. So I haven't crossed that bridge yet, where my client is asking for, okay, we need ten people, we need a ten to one ratio. Or something like that it's coming just by the nature of like i know how these things go and so what i've been doing this year is intentionally meeting people who i feel like when i say meeting i'm i'm like i see them online or i observe them or i meet them somewhere i talk with them have like a virtual coffee kind of like extract their interests and then i know them i put them on a list of what i call possible edutainers those are people who have the heart to work with um, Gen Z essentially. And they're really, they have their own passion. Like, because the thing is, it's a, it's a certain kind of adult that I'm looking for. This person, mm -hmm. while they might not be actively working in their passion, like meaning doing it full time or they have a full throttle business, but maybe sometimes they get to volunteer in it, but they can associate the feeling of how infectious it is to do what you love. They can associate that feeling so much so that they are very enthusiastic about helping someone else get to that feeling. Like that's mm -hmm. the kind of person that I would be looking for. They don't have to have a college degree. They don't have to have a business. They have to have a heart in the language of this particular demographic. So I would be looking to like take note of that. And then when the opportunities come, my team and I will be training them. And these will be paid opportunities. This ain't for free. This one thing I always say, Erin, when I am not interested in asking anyone to give me their genius for free, because I do not like when people ask that of me. And there were a lot of people in my journey who did not do that to me. They mm -hmm. empowered my lane of genius before I even knew it was a genius by saying, we will pay you before I even knew that that was a good thing. It wasn't much. Maybe it was $50, maybe it was $200, but they were acknowledging that I see you as valuable. I'm not going to just extract your value because it's not valuable. Mm. So I always said, I'm taking that same approach. So when the time is coming, when that comes, we want to be able to compensate the people who I just described um, that we would be looking for. I love that. Yes. Pour into people, you know, you, you pour into people. And it's like a snowball effect, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, I woke up two, three years ago and said, I'm going to do something kind for somebody every single day. I don't know wow. what, it, I don't know exactly what it, what it'd be. Um, but I'm going to intentionally, mm -hmm. and I noticed that you use that word a lot, 
um, I'm going to intentionally like go out of my way to do something kind every wow. single day. Wow. And it's, it's like second nature now. I don't even think about, I don't even realize I'm doing it. And it could be grabbing somebody's coffee, grabbing somebody's food that's behind me in line, you know, um, complimenting somebody. Cause we all walk around like this, or, or a lot of people walk around like this, you know, running, mm-hmm. almost running into people. Very rarely do we ever look up and, and see who's around us, what's around us. Um, so, so when I do that and I see somebody, yeah, their, their hair look good or, you know, they got some nice shoes on or something. I'm like, okay, shoes come through hair. Hey, hey, hey. Did you know I wrote a book? It's called The Value Method, Five Steps to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets and small assignments at the end of each chapter. You're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. You know, you know, we thought those compliments, you know, and everyone at the end of the day wants to be seen and acknowledged. Yep. It costs us nothing to do that. Nothing. Nothing at all. Um, To throw a little coin on there is extra. You know, that's, that's, that's extra. I don't do it. Like I did, um, my company sponsored Taco Tuesday at my wife's job. She's a vet tech. Okay. And that was nice of them. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, usually what past companies have done is they like catered. So someone came and bought like tacos and all that. I actually went to to her job and cooked, chopped up the lettuce, chopped up the tomatoes. Like I did all of that. And I got this beautiful thank you card. Everybody signed it. And then inside of it, there was like a, like a $25 gift card. I didn't do it for the $25 gift card. I did it because I'm just that type of person and we should do kind things for one another. And knowing how difficult in the, the type of situations vet techs and vet assistants and veterinarians find their, find themselves in, uh, it's only right to show a little bit of appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was super, like, it was super cute that, that I got a card. Then inside, it was like a little gift card. I'm like, y- y'all definitely didn't have to do that. Just, That's really nice. you know, it was just great. And like I said, I woke up and I want to do something kind. And now it's just like, I don't even realize I'm doing it. I talk to strangers. I I will hold a, an entire, don't, don't, do not even get me started. Cause I will talk to you. Don't, don't, don't ask me how I'm doing. Cause I'm going to tell you. <laughs> don't ask me how I'm doing. Cause I'm going to tell you what, what is the kindest thing that someone has ever done for you outside of anything that had to do um, with, with money or anything like that? I I always say this, that God loves me through the relationships he sends my way. And I have a lot of examples. I'm trying to think of one that's like a big one because 
I get these kinds of gestures all the time. Mm. Sometimes I'm like, God, you love me so much. It's not my own doing. It's really you showing up for me through another person. Um, this is a, this is one, this, and this is like, when I, when I very first started my work in 2013, I was dating this guy and we ended up moving in together and it went south real bad. I mean, real quick. And, um, it cost me $50,000. That's how much debt I had accumulated. And I was 24 making a base salary of $74,000 a year. And I didn't have any extra money once all my bills were paid, my debts and everything. Cause that 50 K was in addition to my own personal debt. And so I had to move back home with my parents. And I would say the kindest thing that they did was they never charged me rent mm -hmm. and they allowed me to stay with them. And they trusted that, you know, well, I was an exceptional kind of child, so I, I, I will probably trust me too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I remember my mom saying to me, cause I, I was, I went through a state of depression then, um, because I had somewhat, I had a rising public profile, not like it wasn't like a big deal, not saying that it's a big deal now, but it was nowhere near what it is. <laughs> and I felt embarrassed about moving from. 1600 square feet to 200 square feet. I felt embarrassed that I had made decisions that were impacting me so much so that I had to work two part-time jobs and a full-time job. So it was a lot of like emotional things I had to work through, but the kindest thing my parents did was allow, allow me to come home, didn't charge me a dime. And I remember my mom saying, you are not your mistakes and this too shall pass. And to me, like that was probably the ultimate kindness, kind thing that a person could do especially in the black community where we say things like once you're out of my house, you ain't coming back. You need to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I get that the, the intent is because you really want your child to survive. You want them to learn how to figure it out. Um, and I'm not saying that they can't figure it out if you let them back in. But what I am saying is if, if coming home to you as a parent, translates to I didn't equip you enough to do it on your own then I really I have a lot of questions about what you equate to being able to stand on your own two feet mm. because we all at some point will need help and the safest place that we could get it from are the people who have given life to us even if it's temporary even if it comes with like you got 12 months but that was really kind of my parents. And they didn't have to. They didn't have to. They didn't have Absolutely to. Absolutely not. That's and awesome. The, and the crazy thing, Erin, is I didn't even want to. I was so prideful. I was like, no, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. My mom was like, why would you do that? Mm. Why would, why, you, you don't have to. Some people have to do that. You don't have to. Just come home. I'm like, no, what about all my furniture? And what about all my curtains? And what am I supposed to do with it? She was like, we will figure it out. Just come home. And that I had to eat my ego and I'm glad that I did because my business would not be what it is today because I would, it would have taken me longer to get back on my feet enough to invest in a new baby. And so that was probably the kindest thing. That was, oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, like you said, there's a lot of parents out there 
that would have never done that. Definitely would have been like, oh, you're on your own or figure it out. Um, I always, always, always say that our parents did the best that they could with the information and what they had provided to them at the time. Yeah. Um, that doesn't negate that some there are some parents out there who absolutely could have and should have done better. Um, and I would say that those parents who would think that though that some their child happened to come home is like the worst thing that that could, that could happen. Like you, you need to do better. And I must, I must say it. You, you need to do better because yeah. your child, you know, could be out there doing all kinds of stuff. True. You know, you bring them into a back, welcome, welcoming them back into your home, back into your arms, back into your love. Not that they were ever like void of that once they moved out, but mm. coming back in and even, even as a, as a high schooler, right? There's some kids who have to get a job while they're in high school because their parents are making them pay rent. Yep. There are. And that, that grinds my gears. <laughs> that that just that just grinds my gears. Like I understand I understand what what's happening. Like I get it. You want to teach your child how to be um how to take care of themselves and you know, but to charge your child like rent to live while while they're children. Mm. It's that that is beyond my realm of understanding. And I have, a few years ago, I came to the conclusion that, Aaron, you are not meant to understand everything. So don't mm-hmm. even try. So don't even try. Girl, wow. oh my gosh. I am just so blown away by your story, by your passion, by the the pureness that you pour into what you do every single day uh what what is something in your business that you wish you you would have done a little differently i wish i would have believed um i wish i would have believed in myself sooner Mm. i wish i would have believed that i was worth five figures um, a five figure check for speaking for 30 minutes. I didn't even, the thought of that wasn't even a thing until 2019. And at that point I had been doing this for five years. I did my work for a long time unpaid because I didn't think what I had to offer was valuable. That's what I would have done differently. I would have, um, it's tough because I didn't even know I was doing that until someone pointed it out. Wow. So maybe I would have gotten into circles with people who were doing what I thought I was interested in so that they could begin to project the, their level of confidence and value, um, onto me. Mm. Cause when you are in those atmospheres where people are like, you shouldn't be charging nothing less than that changes the game. Changes the game completely. You'd be like, Oh, if they did that, Oh, bet. So I am going to raise my price. But if you're not in that environment, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to pay that. 
I don't, I, well, I don't want to scare them away. So I'm going to just say, just give me this little bit. And then maybe next time I'll ask for more. But when you're in environments with people, they're like, no. If they say no, that's fine. And you'll be surprised most of the time the person doesn't say no. So, yeah, I would have gotten into those environments sooner. And that is why when I meet young entrepreneurs, I am very adamant about asking them about their pricing. Like, tell me how much you charge for that. And I will say, this is how much I would pay you. Raise your price. I'm telling you that transparently as a consumer who buys your service. If you're really good, I'm willing to pay this much. I do it all the time. So if you meet a 20, 23, 24-year-old and you meet them, you're like, dang, this, this person cheap, but this person is more expensive than what I thought. Did you talk to Lanita? <laughs> they probably did. We like, sure did. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also like clear, like, be good though. Don't just be charging because you can. Like, be so good that they want to come back. So that's your part. Like your part, if you want to charge or have a high fee. Well, you want to charge more than the average person. That means you got to be more than them in how you service them. Be so exceptional at your craft. And that's the other thing that I um, give them a pep talk on. I love that. Yes. Listen, environment changes the game. Mm-hmm. Environment. Absolutely. Um, they said when we, when we were in Greensville, Greensboro, green something. God. Greensboro. Greensboro. Mm, 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 mm. Um, Odell said something like when you change your environment, like they have the ability to change your mindset. Yeah. Because they're not, they're thinking they are where you want to be, where you hope to be, and you don't quite have that mindset yet. But surround yourself with those types of people, and that mindset is going to come. So I fully, I, I can attest to also wishing that I had believed in myself a lot more, um, in the beginning, like I was like, yeah, I'm I'm all right. I think I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, but just as the years have, have gone on, I'm like, I am, I'm, I'm a little more than good. Like I'm, I'm more, I'm really, really good at at this i should have been charging this a long time ago and now that i've stepped into what that looks like i'm like oh so so this is what y'all been doing up here (laughs) (laughs) this is what y'all been doing okay okay um if we if we wanted to support you uh, reach out to you. How could we find you on social media? Um, where are you? I am on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, um, at Lanita Hostin. And um, you can find me weekly every Tuesday. I live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And then if you want to just check out some of the work um, that I have done, you can go to lanitahostin.com. And then the work that we do as a team, you can go to excellencebrainery.com. So those are all the places you can find and support. Perfect. Perfect. And you, your book, that is out, correct? Yes. The Pursuit of Black Excellence for Teens. Where can we find that? Yep. You can find it at thepursuitforteens.com. 
um, or you can grab it at LanitaHoston.com, either or. Love it, love it. I just want to make sure we can check in all bases because there's so many people out there who need to get, maybe not get in touch with you or at least have you in their orbit um, because just being around you is uh, inspiring, is empowering, I'll say. A little more than inspiring, empowering. Like you, praise God. You can do. I feel like I can do more with just Mm -hmm. having this conversation. Like, what am I gonna do when I get off of this call? Like, (laughs) how can I? How can I do more? You know, in the world. So there's yeah, people just need to need to know you. Um, So I want to make sure I cover that. Thank you. Uh, Of course, of course. Um, I'm big on giving flowers, and you definitely deserve them. Uh, I know the work that you do is it's not always sunshine and butterflies and rainbows and unicorns but the fact that you continue to show up you continue to give your best is it speaks volumes of who you are and who you are as a person your character and you deserve all the accolades all the all the blessings and all the joy that's coming to you Thank you, Aaron. Don't make me cry on here, okay? I'm, We're not supposed to be crying. Listen, I'm I'm big on pouring into people, and I'm just I'm a I'm a I'm a do it anyway. So get emotional. It's okay. We could cry together. We could cry. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> cry, friend. <laughs> we, could, we could cry together. Crying is so therapeutic. I wish it people. Is. I wish more people understood that. Um. Yeah. I got one last question for you. Okay. What is your definition of resilience? Mm. I I define resilience as the ability to be stretched beyond what you even feel you're capable mm-hmm. and return to your original form. So what I had to endure in my early 20s, because even that alone is a lot for a 24 year old absolutely fifty thousand. that is the epitome of resilience mm. so yes to be stretched beyond what you're capable of and then to have the nerve to turn around sometimes in better form come on now come on now better form come through i love it yes and you yeah resilience and action <laughs> that that is resilience in action it is lenita you are a blessing and i am so so thankful to have you here with us and and that you decide to share a little bit of your story with us today glad to be here and thank you guys for listening (laughs) thanks for tuning into this week's episode if you enjoyed it be sure to rate and review and remember resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience